organized baseball. There was a long road ahead. If African-Americans dreamed of playing baseball, it was not for the New York Yankees, but for teams like the Kansas City Monarchs of the Negro Leagues, where the barnstorming style of play stood in contrast to the majors. In 1946, there were 16 Major League Baseball teams with a total of 400 players on their rosters. Every one of the 400 players were white, but when opening day came in 1947, that number dropped to 399, and one man stood apart. Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Good. Hey, welcome to the summit. Welcome to At The Movies. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we're going to have a great time together. And uh, some of you are a little uh, off guard. You're like, what in the world is happening? I thought we were coming to church, and you are at church. Uh, what we're going to do over the next four weeks, uh, counting today, is we're going to look at gospel truths as it's related through Hollywood. Hollywood doesn't even know that they're telling gospel truths, but they are. And we're going to lift some of that out of popular movies that you know and that you've seen or maybe you're familiar with. And we're going to tell you what the Bible has to say about that. So today we're still going to look at scripture. I'm going to show you some clips during the course of, of the message today, but, but you're going to hear a lot of scripture as well. So I hope you have your Bible ready. I hope you're ready to, to dig into what God's got for you today. This movie that we're looking at today, it's a movie called 42. It's a story of Jackie Robinson and his life and his impact, not just on baseball, but on American culture as well and how he helped integrate the United States in so many different ways. And so when I looked at Jackie Robinson's life, when I first saw this movie, I thought, man, this is a great story because this guy, even though it's not an overtly Christian message or story, uh, Jackie Robinson was a believer. He, he was a, a devout Methodist and he loved God. And he, that was part of what drove him in his life and part of what motivated him to do what he had done. But that's not even the point of the message today. When you look at when you look at his story, God is laced throughout his story. There's no other way he could have done what he did without the power of God at work in his life. And so what we're going to do today is just look at a couple of the ways that, that he changed the world and then translate that to our life. Because we're going to look at three ways, that, that three things that world changers have to know. Because uh, I don't think anybody in here wants to live our lives in such a way that we leave the world exactly the way it was when we came into it. I, I wanna change the world I live in. I wanna change my community. I wanna change my workplace. I've got a bunch of sinners in my workplace. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, I'm just kidding. Mostly just Pastor Dick. The rest of them are okay. Oh, please. You should have seen him egging the kids on at the dunk booth yesterday when I was sitting at the dunk booth. It was horrible. So, God wants us to change our world. He does not want us just to survive in our life. He does not want us just to get by. He wants us to make a difference and to change our world. And so today we're going to look at three things world changers must know in order to make those changes. Jackie um, was uh, preparing to play the season for the Negro League team he played with, and he got a phone call, and a man came and got him and said, hey, I, I need to bring you to Brooklyn. Branch Rickey wants to have a meeting with you. And Branch Rickey was the general manager of the, of the Brooklyn Dodgers at that time. And he had purposed in his heart that he was going to integrate baseball. And that's a big deal because baseball was fiercely racist. And a, a black baseball player had not played in Major League Baseball in over 60 years. And they, there were a lot of people that were intent on keeping it that way. So Branch Rickey, again, another devout Christian, decided we're going to change things. And in the clip you're about to see, Branch Rickey has invited... 
Jackie to sit down in his office and have a conversation with him and just talk about whatever it is he wants to do. And I want to warn you, uh, some of the clips we're going to show uh, do have some language in it, but we've beeped it out uh, because we're family friendly here. Uh, And the movie's PG-13, so some of you are like, ooh, I don't know about this, but we've beeped out some of the language, and it's not even the bad ones, but basically everything's been sanitized as much as possible. There's one clip in particular I wanted to show, and I just realized we can't because the whole thing is beeped out because there's this manager named Ben Chapman for the Philadelphia Phillies who was such a racist. Jackie came to bat, and he said the N-word about, I don't know, 25 times in the span of about a three-minute clip. And I wanted to illustrate the vitriol and the hate that, that was shown to him, um, but I just could not bring myself to show that clip because it would have been a continuous beep for three minutes almost. So I just decided not to do that. But uh, you're going to hear a few words here and there uh, that have been beeped out, and I know what we do whenever we hear a beeped out word. As Christians, we, we imagine the good Christian word instead, right? Like cupcakes or brownies or something like that. But, um, so we're going to see, <laughs> Pastor Dick's getting anointed now, but we're going we're gonna to see a clip now of Jackie Robinson and his initial meeting with Branch Rickey in Brooklyn. Mr. Rickey, what's this about? This is about baseball, Jackie. I see you starting in spring with our affiliate in Montreal. If you make it there, try it down here with the Dodgers. With the white Brooklyn Dodgers. I'll pay you $600 a month. And a $3,500 bonus when you sign the contract. That agreeable? Yes, that's fine. There's one condition. I know you can hit behind the runner, that you can read a pitch. One question is, can you control your temper? My temper? Yes, your temper. What are you, deaf? A black man in white baseball. (laughs) Can you imagine the reaction? The vitriol? Dodgers check into a hotel, a a decent, good hotel. You're worn out from the road. Some clerk won't give you the pen to sign in with. We got no room for you, boy. Not even down in the coal bin where you belong. Team stops at a restaurant. Waiter won't take your order. Didn't you see the sign on the door? No n***ers allowed. What are you going to do then? Fight him? Ruin all my plans? Answer me, you black You want a player who doesn't have the guts to fight back? No. No. I want a player who's got the guts not to fight back. People aren't going to like this. They're going to do anything to get you to react. Echo a curse with a curse, and they'll they'll hear only yours. Follow a blow with a blow, and they'll say the Negro lost his temper, that the Negro does not belong. 
Your enemy will be out in force and you cannot meet him on his own low ground. We win with hitting, running, fielding, only that. We win if the world is convinced of two things, that you are a fine gentleman and a great baseball player. Like our savior, you gotta have the guts to turn the other cheek. Can you do it? Give me a uniform. Give me a, a number on my back. And I'll give you the gut. You see, our natural inclination is when we get punched in the face is to fight back, right? When we get insulted, our natural inclination is to throw an insult back at someone else. Because when we are opposed, something rises up within us, don't we? When somebody offends us, we automatically want to fight back. And what world changers have to know and they have to understand is sometimes we win by not fighting back. You said, Mel, that doesn't sound very American, right? Turn the other cheek, that's for sissies, isn't it? Well, no, it's not at all. In fact, this is exactly what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. This is what he says. He says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. You look at this and go, Mel, this is really, really extreme, isn't it? This doesn't make sense at all. Why would Jesus tell his followers to do that? And what Jesus is trying to illustrate is that in order to change the world, we can't just do what the world does. We have to do things differently. And one of the things that we as Christians have to do differently is we have to love in a really extreme way. And love in an extreme way means we have to love even the people that hate us. That the people that come against us and oppose us We have to understand that Jesus loves them and died for them just as much as he died for me. And that's really, really hard because when we are wronged, our first inclination is not to forgive and love. Our first inclination is to fight and to get even, isn't it? You know, one of the best things I ever did in my life, um, I've been hurt a few times in different situations where I felt like I was betrayed. I felt like um, I was taken advantage of. And I could have nursed that wound. I could have stayed angry. I could have fought back. But the best thing I ever did was begin to pray for those people. And what I discovered is that I began, as I began to pray for them against my own will at times, that I would pray just because I was supposed to, what began to happen in my heart is I began to forgive and I began to love and I began to care. And when I began praying this way, instead of saying, God, I'm going to pray for my enemy today and I pray that you would get even with him, right? That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Jesus was looking for. What Jesus was talking about was we pray the blessing for them, that we pray that God would change their life, that God would get a hold of them, that God would do something incredible in them. And when we, we begin to pray blessing on our enemy, that will change the world because it's going to change us. It's going to change the way we see things, the way we approach things. Jesus knew that it's easy to love the people that love you, isn't it? It's easy to love your family that they think you're great. It's easy to love your best friend because your best friend thinks you, you, you know, hung the moon. 
But it's hard to love the person that criticizes you and says hateful things about you on social media. And Don't you love it when people gripe about you on social media, but they don't say it's you, but you know it's you? You're like, would you just have the guts to have a conversation with me? Like, let's just talk about it. I hate it when people do da 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 It's like, oh, just tag me in the comment. I know you're talking about, right? But sometimes we have to understand that we win by not fighting back. And I, I said this a few weeks ago, God fights our battles for us. When he calls us into something, he fights our battles for us. So we can choose to fight or we can say, God, you know what? I'm going to let you take this on yourself and I'm going to let you do something with this because I can't fight this battle on my own. Jesus, uh, just because you, you've done right or you know right doesn't mean you are right. And I said this, I don't know, a couple months ago, um, but you can be right and not be in right relationship. Um, there have been many arguments that I've won, but I've lost relationship because of it. Does that make sense? Um, I was right, and I went down. I fought tooth and nail over something I believed. And because I was right and because I wanted to fight in this situation, I lost a relationship over it. I lost influence. And I told our staff this last week, uh, relationships are what this church is all about because relationships, uh, they pave the way for influence. Influence paves the way for God to be able to do something in people's lives. So if I want God to work in people's lives, I have to have a relationship with them. Because when I have a relationship with them, I begin to gain influence with them. And if I want to see God work in people's lives, then I have to have a relationship there. And if there's fighting, if there's bickering, if I have to be right all the time, then I'm not going to be able to influence them in a way that glorifies God. So I have to understand, we win by not fighting back sometimes. You know, Jackie was booed loudly everywhere he went on the road. Uh, people hated him. Even at home in Brooklyn, he was booed a lot. And he would go on the road and he would endure. And there were times that they wouldn't let him stay in the hotel or he would have to do things differently. And so he would take the field and he was booed and jeered and screamed at and cursed and everything you can possibly imagine. It wasn't just Jackie, but at times his wife had to be taken from the stadium because her life was in danger as well. People weren't just mean, they were sending death threats, and they were hateful. They felt like this was changing their world, and they didn't like it. And so people were very vocal about their displeasure of Jackie being involved. And so this next clip you're going to see is when the Dodgers visited Cincinnati, and you're going to see um, what happened here, and I'll explain a little bit of it after the clip as well. But why don't you take a look at this? Cincinnati fans expressing their displeasure as the Dodgers take the field. Nick Robinson at first, Brad Eddy, Stanky at second, Buddy Jorgensen at third, and the captain, Pee Wee Reese at short. Fans ask any man and they'll tell you the Gillette Super Speed Razor is our honey. Maybe the sweetest shaving razor you'll ever use. Look sharp, feel sharp, be sharp. They can say all they want. We're just here to play ball. It's just a bunch of crackpots still fighting the Civil War. We'd have won that son of a gun if the corn stalks would have held out. We just ran out of ammunition. Better luck next time, Pee Wee. Ain't gonna be a next time, Jake. All we got's right here. Right now, you know what I mean? Thank you, Jake. What are you thanking me for? I got family out there from Louisville. I need them to know. I need them to know who I am. 
more socializing. Playing ball, up. Playing ball. Maybe tomorrow we'll all wear 42. That way they won't tell us apart. Pee Wee Reese uh, was a shortstop for the Dodgers at the time. He was beloved um, player, and people knew who he was. He was very high profile. And Pee Wee was from Cincinnati, so he was a hero, especially in Cincinnati. People knew who he was, and he had a lot of family that was in the stands. And so uh, when he showed up that day, people were cheering him as loudly as they were booing Jackie Robinson. And so when Pee Wee came over and put his arm around Jackie, that was a symbolic moment for them, that he was embracing Jackie Robinson, not just as a a teammate, but as a friend in front of thousands of people. And in the clip um, that we see, and and history bears this out, that's almost a watershed for Jackie Robinson. Before that, as he came out, people were cussing him and jeering him, and they were out to get him. And then after that moment, they softened, and they realized, wait a second, if Pee-wee's okay with being his friend. Maybe he's all right. And it's amazing what happens when we come together in relationship. The second thing world changers have to understand is we win better together. That no matter what you are doing, you might be able to do it on your own, but if God has called you to do something great and change the world, if you can change the world on your own, you're probably not really changing the world. You need someone to come alongside you and partner with you and be a teammate in this thing in order to really make a change that God wants you to make. So we have to understand that we win better together. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. What is uh, Solomon trying to tell us in Ecclesiastes? That we win better together. When we come together as one in unity, We can do anything. We can change the world. If God is calling you to do something incredible, the chances are you need someone with you to partner with you to see that incredible thing happen. Jackie Robinson said, a life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. He understood that if my life doesn't impact other people, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how famous I am. It doesn't matter how much money I make. If I don't impact other people, if I don't help them change their world, it does not make any difference what I do. We need each other in order to do that. Uh, you know, I told, I think it was at our last membership encounter we had, um, one of the things we do at our membership encounters, we sit at these small tables, uh, the groups, round tables, and so we start off and we have just this this thing at the beginning where we take some time to get to know each other. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. It's one of my favorite things. And one of the things we do is we say, uh, tell us, you know, we want you to go around the circle and take about two minutes and tell us your summit story. How did you come to the summit? And um, it's, it's, it's so cool. It's so flattering. Uh, I mean, it's, it's humbling to hear people say stuff like, well, I came because I like the preaching, or I came because I love the worship, or uh, Pastor Dick is so good looking, or whatever it is. Um, but they do. They say all kinds. And a lot of times people start with the things that happen up here. Man, I really like your preaching, Mel. It's relatable or whatever. And it's, it's flattering to hear, and I really appreciate that. It's humbling. Um, and the worship, man, the worship's great, and I love our worship team. Or they, they say this a lot, too. I wasn't crazy about what happened. You know, I'm a little uncomfortable. My kids loved it, so that's why we started coming to the summit. 
okay? And they've got these reasons, and they're great, and I love those reasons. But I told our group at this last membership encounter, I'm going to think that we have failed if six months from now people still feel that same way. If the people that join our church still feel, hey, I'm here because I just like the preaching, or I'm here just because I like the kids' ministry, or because I like the worship. Because I want us to move from that place where it's not just about Sunday morning and what you receive here to the point where you're in a relationship with the people that are in this church, where six months from now, um, maybe you have decided I'm not such a good preacher after all, that I'm a fraud after all. And you go, Mel, maybe Mel's okay, but man, I'm not leaving because I love the people that I'm in church with. That's where relationships come into play. And some of you right now are scared to death because you're like, hey, I'm happy with the relationships I've got. I'm happy with the people I know. I don't want to go any further than that. And I get it. But what you're saying to me is you're not willing to change the world because when we decide to change the world, we have to look for people that are going to change the world with us, that are going to come together with us and help us do what God's calling us to do. That is what being on mission is all about. I read something recently that said the number one indicator for happiness in a church The number one indicator on whether you will stay in a church or not is how many relationships you have. The more relationships you have in a church, the happier you're going to be in that church and the longer you're going to stay in that church. Now, this is not about self-preservation or us trying to pacify people, but it's the reality of relationships matter more than just about everything else when it comes to church. Now, you can say theology is important. It is important. Doctrine is important. All those things are important. But if you don't feel loved and you're not showing love to the people around you in your church, you're not going to be happy. That's a key indicator, not just on your happiness, but how are you going to grow and flourish? God wants you to do more than just show up. He wants you to be in relationship with the people around us. We have to understand that we need each other to win in life. To do what God is calling you to do, you need people around you. In order for us to do what God is calling us to do as a church, we need to come together. We need to be one. We need to say, hey, we're we're going to change the world, but it's only going to happen when we do it together. We have to understand that. Well, the Dodgers... We're traveling. Uh, they were uh, in St. Louis, I believe, and they were playing my beloved Cardinals. Um, you can boo me later. It's fine. Um, they were playing the Cardinals, and Enos Slaughter was up to bat, and Enos Slaughter was the hero of the 46 World Series for the Cardinals. He scored the winning run, and he, he's well-known in Cardinal Nation. He was up at bat, and he was not a particularly big fan of integration, and he was fairly vocal about it. So he was at bat, and he grounded out um, and as he was running down the line, Jackie Robinson was playing first base, and he, Jackie had stretched to make the play, and as he did, Enos crossed the base, but he didn't step on the base. He stepped on the back of Jackie's leg. And it might not sound like that big a deal, but at this time especially, players would sharpen the spikes on their shoes. They would sharpen them to a point so they could use them as weapons. Ty Cobb was known as the, a gigantic villain. He's a Hall of Famer. But he would sharpen his spikes to the point that he would use them as weapons in games. So when he slid into second base, he would slide with his spikes up trying to injure somebody. And Enos Slaughter, I think, did the same thing. So he ran down the line. He stepped on the back of Jackie's leg. And Jackie was injured, and so the clip we're about to watch shows kind of the aftermath of that as uh, Branch Rickey is talking to him in the locker room. Jackie, what are you saying? He spiked you on purpose? Uh, He saw the play. My foot was on the inside of the bag. He was out by a mile, but he kept coming. So it was on purpose? Slaughter said it was an accident. Yeah. What are you asking me for, then? Are you calling Slaughter a liar? Is he a liar, Jackie? Are you calling him a liar? What are you going to write? Get out of here! Get on, Ricky. Let him finish this show. Right, go on. Let me talk to my first baseman. Is he a liar, Jackie? Go. All right, all right. Getting stitched up for Pete's sake. Just trying to do our job, Ricky. 
good. Thank you, sir. Sticking up for himself is something you'd expect of any man. Some find it galling in a Negro. in a sandlot, little white boy was up at bat. <laughs> you know what he was doing? Sitting on a fastball? He was pretending he was you. Rubbing dirt on his hands. Swinging with his arms outstretched like you do. Little white boy. Pretending he is a black man. Why'd you do this, Mr. Ricky? <laughs> I had a victory over fascism in Germany. It's time. Time I had a victory over racism at all. No. Why? Why'd you do it? Come on, tell me. I love this game. I love baseball. Give my whole life to it. Forty odd years ago, I was a player coach at Ohio Wesleyan University. We had a Negro catcher, best hitter on the team. Charlie Thomas, fine young man. Saw him laid low, broken, because of the color of his skin, and I didn't do enough to help. Told myself I did, but I didn't. There was something unfair at the heart of the game I loved, and I ignored it. this scene because what it does is it reinforces the fact to Jackie why they're doing what they're doing. That it's not just about making his team better and opening his team up to a different group of players. Uh, it's not just about increasing their ability, things like that, but it's about making a change. And he understands that they're not just trying to change baseball, they really are trying to change culture. And one of the things world changers have to remember is that remembering the why makes the what possible. See, God's going to call you to do something incredible. He's going to challenge you to step out of your comfort zone, to try to change the world. And you will have opposition. You are going to have people that say, you're wrong, you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't be a part of that. And when that opposition comes, it's going to be real easy to go, you know what, you're right. I can't, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not talented enough, we can't do that. 
And you'll come up with reasons why you can't. But when you remember why you can, it makes the what possible. When you remember why you're doing what you're doing, the motivation behind what you're doing, it makes it easier to endure and to walk through. Jackie had some incredibly tough days, but he kept in mind what his why was, and it made his what possible. You know, Branch Rickey, even though he was white, he still encountered a lot of, um, a lot of racism from other general managers. He had general, a general manager make a phone call to him and said, hey, our team is not going to take the field against your team as long as Jackie Robinson's in your lineup. And he got a lot of bad press over his unwillingness to go with the, the norm in baseball. But he understood why he was doing what he was doing, and it made the what possible. It made it easier for him to do, endure the criticism and the hardship and the tough times when he knew why he was doing what he was doing. Branch Rickey said, problems are the price that you pay for progress. If you want to make progress in your life, guess what? You are going to have problems. You're going to have challenges. But when you remember the why, it makes the what possible. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 20. Verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be the servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus understood what his why was. His why was not uh, to... to to come and be a king, but his why was, I'm going to come and serve. I'm going to lay myself low for the people of planet earth. Let me put it a little more directly. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The part of this verse that always struck me as odd says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, I could tell you how horrible and hor how horrific. A crucifixion was. We could talk about that. In fact, the word excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. We could talk about the pain that Jesus endured, what he did, how he did it, but I, I'm not going to go there. But what you have to know is what Jesus's why was. It wasn't just the world. It wasn't just the church. It wasn't just people. It was you. You were Jesus's why. You are the reason he endured the cross. You are the reason he endured the shame and the beating and the, the name-calling, the embarrassment, all the things that came along with the cross. The thing that drove him to that was not that he was the Son of God, not that he was being forced to. The thing that drove him to that was you. You were Jesus' why. And he remembered the why, and it made the what possible. When we remember why God is calling us to do what he's calling us to do, when we understand why he's asking us to make a difference in Indiana, to make a difference in your workplace, when we understand why he's asking us to do those things, it makes the what possible. It doesn't make the what easy, but it makes the what possible. When we remember the why, it makes the what possible. It's still challenging. It's still hard. There's still going to be difficult days ahead. 
But God is calling us to do great things. And you know what? God has done a great thing for us. And you are Jesus's why. You're the reason why. You know, every one of us want to change the world. None of us want to just survive and get by. But we have to remember these three things. We have to know, remember these things that, that world changers have to know. We are better together. We win better together. That sometimes we win by not fighting back and that we have to remember the why so that we can make the what possible. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Lord, thank you. Lord, though this story is, is not a Christian story, Lord, it's still a story of great endurance. It's still an incredible story that we can glean so much from. And I thank you that your gospel is laced throughout it. And Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you don't want us just to survive this world, but, Lord, you want us to be world changers. So, God, I pray that you would place that desire in us, not just to survive, not just to get by, but to change. God, I pray that we wouldn't be satisfied with anything less than that. So, Lord, I pray today that you would have your way with us over the next few minutes. I pray that, Lord, you would challenge us, that you would motivate us, that you would move us from our current place to a place you'd have us. And I pray that we would grow in you, Lord, that we develop in you, and that we wouldn't be satisfied with just getting by. So, Lord, have your way with us. Now, I want to ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. And if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Mel, um, I don't have a relationship with Jesus today. I know you said that I was his why, um, and, and I never really thought about it like that before, but today I want to make some things right with God, and I want to, I want to be in relationship with Jesus. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and hold it up just for a second and let me see you? Thank you. Up in the balcony, who else? Who else says that's me? Thank you over here on my left and back. I see you, sir. Who else says that's me? I was Jesus' why. I'm going to give him my life today. I'm not going to hold anything back. Anybody else? Just slip your hand up and slip it down. I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mel, I want to be a world changer. But man, I've got obstacles. I've got opposition. And I want to do whatever God is calling me to do. I want to make a difference in the world I live in. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And today I'm going to make that change. I'm going to do whatever I have to do with God's help. If that's you, would you just put your hand up and say, that's me. I want to make a difference in my world. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask everybody in the room to repeat the prayer after me, and we're going to finish that, and then I'm going to pray for those of you that just raised your hand. So this is what I'd like to do. I want you to pray with me, repeat this prayer after me, everybody that's in this place. And if you're watching online and you need to pray and you want to ask Jesus in your heart and you want to have a relationship with him, I just want to encourage you to say this prayer from wherever you're at. Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you that I am your why. That you endured the pain and the suffering of the cross because you love me. I give you my life and I'm turning away from my old ways and I'm never going to go back to it. I'm going to walk in relationship with you for the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for those that prayed that prayer and sincerely meant it. Lord, I, I believe today their lives are changed, and I pray right now you just...
bless them and minister to them and anoint them. And I pray that you give them the strength to walk away from old ways, Lord, to walk away from old relationships, to break ties with people they shouldn't be in relationship with, God. I pray for influences that are ungodly to be broken off of them. Lord, I pray for addictions and bondages to be broken in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you would help them walk in a way that would glorify you, Lord. Let them walk in relationship with you for the rest of their lives, God. Lord, I pray for those that raised their hand and said they want to be world changers. And I pray for every person that did. Lord, I pray that you would let your anointing rest on them, God. Let your Holy Spirit empower them and lift them up, God. And I pray that they would know that, they, that we win better together. And Lord, I pray that they'd surround themselves with people that are going to encourage them and, and motivate them to change the world for you. Lord, I pray that you would let them have the courage to not fight back when they want to fight. Lord, when they've been insulted, when they've been offended, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage to turn the other cheek and to reflect your love and your glory to those people. And Lord, I pray that you would let them remember the why of what they're doing, why they're doing what they're doing, God. I pray that you'd bless them, minister in them, have your way with us in this place, God. Have your way, Jesus. I love you and I thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.